0: Today, we start a brand new message series called Wandering from Wisdom. It's straight out of the book of Exodus. And it tells the story of how God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. Many of us are familiar with the story of growing up from Charlton Heston playing Moses in the Ten Commandments movie, Let my people go, he said. When we read the Bible stories, I think we sometimes can compare our lives to the heroes in the story. We might ask questions like, am I I like Moses? Am I faithful? Am I bold? Am I uh, courageous? And that sounds really good. But in reality, we often act like the Israelites, don't we? Wandering away from God's purpose and plan and will. They were wandering from wisdom. And as they wandered in the wilderness, they often wandered away from God's wisdom. I tend to wander sometimes as well. Do you? My mind wants to default to Jonathan's will and ways rather than reside in God's wisdom, and ways. I pray that as we study their wandering, we can learn more about ourselves and our God, and we can find hope for our journey, the human journey together, that journey of faith. Today's story is about waiting. When God called Moses to rescue the Israelites from slavery, they had been enslaved for generations and generations. They were still waiting, still trusting, still crying out to the Lord for help. Waiting is hard, isn't it? There's a poet, a musician, an artist named Tom Petty who said the waiting is the hardest part. And he sang about that. We pray and say things about waiting all the time. We might pray, Lord, give me patience, but hurry, step on it. Have you ever prayed that one? What things test your patience? In American culture, waiting is not something we like to do. Did anyone go and hang out in the doctor's waiting room last week just for fun? I doubt it. Or if you're driving toward that intersection and the light changes to yellow and that silly driver in front of you stops. For a yellow light? Come on, man. Everyone knows that green means go, red means stop, and yellow means floor it. Right? You see, I want everything on my time frame. And our favorite mantras are, I want it all, I want it now, have it your way, time is money. And many times we feel like we are missing out on the latest and greatest while we're waiting. There's that FOMO, as it's called, fear of missing out. Waiting is frustrating, but it's necessary. If you don't wait at a red light, destruction is going to happen. could kill you. The Israelites knew about waiting. But let's back up for a minute and see how they got there. Several hundred years earlier, God made a covenant with Abraham, promising to bless his family and to bless the whole world through his family. And it seemed like a joke because Abraham and his wife Sarah couldn't have any kids, which makes it pretty tough to bless the world through your family. But God is always faithful to keep his promises, and a boy named Isaac was born to Abraham and Sarah. And he went on to have a son named Jacob, whose name later was changed to Israel. And his sons would become fathers to the twelve tribes of Israel. Now one of the sons was Joseph, who was Jacob's favorite kid. And he was known for his colorful coat, yet he was also known to brag about that fact. So his brothers, they sold him into slavery. And you thought you had family problems. (laughs) Thankfully, God worked through these terrible circumstances to raise Joseph up from the pit of slavery into power in Egypt. And Joseph led a plan to save the country from a massive famine that was to come. Ironically, Joseph's brothers came to Egypt to buy food. Little did they know that it was their brother that they were buying the food from. Once all this gets sorted out, Jacob moves his whole family to Egypt, where they live for generations and generations. This is around 430 years before Moses. However, that generation died out, and a new pharaoh rose to power and was an evil king. The children of Israel had been waiting or not waiting, but had been having babies like crazy. And the Pharaoh worried that Egypt could be overtaken by these Israelites. Let's look at Exodus 1 5 through 10. In time, Joseph and all his brothers died, ending the entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done and he said to his people look the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are we must make a plan to keep them from growing even more then they will escape from the country so Pharaoh enslaved them, forced them to build his cities and farm the land in his mind he turned that liability into an asset and he helped the economy to grow But we all know that slavery is, is, is evil, and no person has the right to own another person. But God didn't cause this slavery to happen. But for some reason, he allowed it to continue for generations. Why? Well, the most straightforward answer is all about free will. God gives humans free will in every situation. You can choose good or you can choose evil. We're not pre-programmed robots that are uh, forced to live the way God wants us to live. It would be impossible for us to love God if we didn't have a choice. And God gave us free will so that we could choose. Because it's a relationship with God. And that relationship always involves choice. So the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. Can you imagine how terrible that would be? Generation after generation, praying to God to be saved from slavery, and they weren't. And they waited, and they waited, day after day, working in that hot desert sun. No pay, no provisions, no hope for the future. And night after night, praying for freedom and never seeing it. Generations were born, lived, and died without seeing freedom. It had to be wearisome, waiting, painful. You see, when we pray, we're always looking for an immediate yes from the Lord. That's fine because we pray in faith. But like any good parent, yes is not the only answer God gives. Sometimes God says no because what we are asking for is outside of God's will. Other times God says wait, which we may understand, misunderstand to be a no. We need to have patience and wait on the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's important to note that God does not work according to our schedule, our lists, He's working according to His timing and His will for us. And when we fail to remember this fact, disappointment can set in, which can ultimately lead to anger and resentment, sometimes aimed at God. And that's not a great place to be. Think about it. If God already knows what's best for us, then why is it so important for us to control every single thing in our lives? Why can't we just let go and let God do what God does best? So to answer the question, should we really wait on God? Yes, we should, in all circumstances. A few years ago, I had to wait on God. At the time, I was pastoring Mount Healthy United Methodist Church. For your information, that's on the west side. I was sent to revitalize this congregation. But it seemed no matter what I did in ministry, the church just would not grow. It just didn't work. And my prayers seemed to go unanswered for years. But God told me to wait. I heard that. It seemed like the church at the time was literally dying. I began to officiate funeral after funeral. And one time, one year, officiating 21 funerals. My groaning continued for a couple years. And I asked God to help me turn things around, but it seemed like obstacle and obstacle would pop up. Finally, God helped me to see a new ministry opportunity right in front of me. Several moms were using our church education wing to homeschool their children. And there were probably 10 families using the classrooms. These kids and these moms, they called me Pastor Jonathan. And I would invite them to church all the time because most of them did not have a church home. But they never came on Sunday morning. One day they invited me to a potluck dinner they were hosting at a brewery, Fibonacci Brewery, just down the street. I went And the brewery was packed. I saw kids playing in the yard next to the brewery. And these families were enjoying each other's company. And they hugged me and accepted me. They felt comfortable being there. Eventually, I became friends with the brewery owner. And quickly saw that the brewery was a multi-generational gathering place. God gave me a vision. If the church is a restaurant, why can't God use me to be like a food truck? (laughs) Serving spiritual food at local breweries. Eventually, God led me to start Faith and Friends on Tap with Tom and Mary Wessel at Fibonacci Brewery. God heard my prayers. God answered my prayers. Now, I can say, look at what God did. And at the same time, God refashioned my calling. And now I'm here. This church is the home of my new calling. And I do church services at two breweries now. You guys gave me permission to do that. I also do it at assisted living centers and art studios in the VFW post. I praise God every day. I praise God That season of waiting. You see, our timing isn't God's timing. God is never early, never late, but always on time. For us, God's timing often feels like a long and desperate delay, but God's perfect timing does two things for us it grows our faith as we are forced to wait and trust in God, and it makes certain that God and God alone. Gets the glory and praise for pulling us through. Sometimes in America we get a confused version of the gospel. We take verses about God's goodness which are absolutely true, but we twist them. And into being guarantees in every single situation when they really are not. We try to turn God into a genie who always gives us what we want when we want it. But God never promised that life would always be easier, painless, for followers of Jesus. Look at virtually every hero in the Bible. They go through times of pain and suffering. Yes, I believe that God absolutely wants the best for you. But he wants to bless you, prosper you, and for your life to be full of many, many great things and abundant life. Ultimately, that's what a faithful follower of Jesus receives in every circumstance. But it always doesn't happen on this earth. John 16, 33 says this, and this is Jesus, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You see, God promises to believers that after death, there will be no second death, no hell, no condemnation, no wrath. This is an important point. For the Christian, this life is as close to hell as you will get. For the non-Christian, this life is as close to heaven as you will get. You see, many of us are committed committed to a comfortable Christianity at times. One that doesn't cost me anything, where I always get what I want and what I pray for, where life is easy and fun. You know, I like those things just as much as the next guy, and I want them too. But friends, that is not the Christianity that Jesus offers. If you buy into that, I believe you'll be disappointed because you bought into a Christianity that is totally incongruent with the New Testament. The New Testament church. You're building a faith made on a foundation of sand. And that faith will be blown apart when the storms of life, when those challenges come. You see, the early Christians, they suffered for their faith. Hebrews 11 tells us about the heroes of faith. And Moses is at the top of the list. He's one of the top guys who gets highlighted earlier in that chapter. And then it describes a bunch of unnamed heroes. Look at this. Hebrews 11, 33-40. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of their sword. Their weaknesses were turned, was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. I love it. That's the faith I want. That's the result I want to see from my faith. But you can't stop reading there, because the author of Hebrews isn't done yet. He says, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others "...were chained in prison, some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others killed with sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised." For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Did you catch that? These saints didn't get everything God promised while while they were here on earth. But God is faithful. And he's got all eternity to make it right, my friends. Why didn't they receive it? Their final reward would come after Jesus' sacrifice and the new covenant put into place. You and me, we've got it. Jesus died and is risen from the dead so that you can experience the fullness of God's promise right now. We're done waiting on Jesus. Are you living into that? Are you existing in that reality? The prize is something we have to live into now and into a greater fullness someday in heaven. This helps us deal with the seasons of waiting and suffering because we know nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, even death itself. Waiting is hard. Some of the Israelites waited for decades, for a lifetime. Oh, to have that kind of perseverance. Waiting is an important part of life. In fact, life is an unending sequence of waiting. I don't know if you ever heard this term, but it's not what you go through, it's what you grow through. That time of growth often takes a lot of time because we are instantaneous microwave people. There's always something that's just not quite right, something delaying us from getting where we want to be. We wait for summer vacation or waiting for our driver's license, waiting to graduate, waiting to get married, waiting to get pregnant, waiting to find a job, waiting for the promotion, waiting to see loved ones again who live far away, waiting for retirement, waiting for reconciliation with that purpose or that person we're having conflict with, and waiting to finally go home and be with Jesus eternally. Friends, God is calling us to something different something better what if we learn to welcome God's timing that's hard but it's the only way to live as a follower of Jesus Christ because we trust his promises instead of thinking we have it all figured out waiting on the Lord means waiting to live in silence and with tension it means we become acquainted with awkwardness. It also means that we wait, knowing that things are getting so much better in Him. 1 Corinthians two nineteen promises: No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Your best days are ahead of you if you are living in God's time and in a season of waiting why because when you're near to god you're growing in christ growing in holiness growing while you're waiting and each day can be better and better in that and that's exciting for me and i hope it's exciting for you check out god's promises just in these four verses isaiah 40 29 through 31 god gives power to the faint To him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 41.10 Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Lamentations three twenty-five through 26. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for the salvation from the Lord. Matthew 28, 20. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. These are just a few. I'm just scratching the surface. Here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. Make two lists. One of the things you have waited for in the past and how God showed up. And then, one of the things you're still waiting for and the scriptural promises that you can write down or memorize to help you in the waiting. You see, remembering that builds faith. Remember this too. God's faithfulness yesterday is the greatest indicator of God's faithfulness today and tomorrow because God, my friends, never changes. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you show us so many things in the season of waiting. God, in our waiting, walk alongside of us and teach us in that waiting. To know that there is something glorious that's just around the corner in that waiting. God, strengthen us, and we know that that strength comes in that season of waiting. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that encourages us during those times, that reminds us of all your promises in Christ Jesus. And we know, Lord, you're going to bring things into full completion when we enter into the glory of eternal life as your beloved people. And we pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.